Yeah, I am drinking. Um, what am I drinking? I'm drinking tequila. Um, tequila. I haven't actually started yet, contrary to the fact that it just took me like 30 seconds to say I'm drinking tequila. No, I'm drinking um, some very nice extra añejo from uh, when we got went to Mexico in January. It is, I believe, the, the, the distillery is called Arete. And yeah, so it's their extra añejo. It is. Does that mean stop in Spanish? I I believe it does. Yes. It means stop in French, which is mm-hmm. the language I know. English questionable. Yeah, very true. But yeah, it's like this really interesting kind of caramely sweetness, but also like a little bit of smokiness. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, um, Burb, what are you about to open for me and you? So we have a Pilsner from Cream. Uh, long-time listeners of the pod will know that we love Cream. It's a brewery out of Hood River, Oregon. Uh, this is one of my favorite Oregon Pilsners. I don't know anything about the tasting notes. It is as refreshing and flavorful as its European cousin, according to the top half of the tasting notes. On the- <laughs> she literally has it in Maryland Cuisine because she's keeps track. She won't take it out to read the tasting notes, so... Um, but this is a delicious, this is a delicious, uh, Pilsner. Um, it's one of the ones that I will drink. I'm not a huge Pilsner person, but, um, breweries in Portland and around Portland seem to be figuring out how to do Pilsners that don't taste like dirty gum socks. So that's exciting. That's good. Now she's drinking out of a bottle with two hands. (laughs) Like an adult. I have very small hands, and it's the whole thing. It's like a tall bottle because it's a. It's it's twenty two. Twenty two. I don't know. I don't think it's a twenty two. Whatever. It's a twenty. Whatever ounces they sell the big bottles in. So it's. It's not a twenty two though. It's like a non standard. Cream's fucking annoying. They're not. They're perfect, and we love them. Cream, please sponsor the podcast and send us free beer. Um, do we have any official pod business? We got that fucking Rafflecopter going on. I don't think anybody else knows it's on Rafflecopter, but it's my favorite thing to say. Yeah. No, yeah, that is, I didn't put it in the outline, but that is in fact our official pod business. So if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, which really you should be doing because we are delightful, um, you saw that the contest that we've been alluding to for the past three weeks is finally happening. Uh, we are giving away... A from always from Star Wars Celebration, a Del Rey Star Wars book sampler, a Clone Wars poster, a Rebels poster, a Galaxy of Adventure poster, um, and all sorts of good stuff that we want to give to you. Yeah, why? Holy 
shit. I'm not saying I just hate people with good memories. I like literally can't. As uh, notably, I cannot remember anything. This is true. It's canon. <laughs> Kristen doesn't know names or ages of Star Wars characters or names of Star Wars movies or or anything. I really or names of Star Wars that. franchises, really. Yes, that's right. Um, um, but yeah, so the contest has started. It is very simple. We, if you go to our, uh, Twitter bio or, and our pin tweet, uh, or if you go to our Instagram bio, and we also posted about it earlier this week, uh, we posted links to the contest rules. It's, there are just several different things that you can do that are assigned to different point values from following us on Twitter, or Instagram, tweeting at or about the pod. And finally the dreaded leaving us a review on itunes uh if you do any of these things you get different point values and then the people with the highest point values at the end of the contest uh will win and if there's a tie it'll be randomly selected presumably um so yeah we want to give this stuff away um we had a blast at star wars celebration and we're thrilled to be able to give away some of the great you know goodies that we got there um and yeah so go to our twitter our instagram uh and do all the things that it tells you to do. And this contest is going to be running all the way up through May 31st, which is next Wednesday, I think. Next Friday. Sure. Really? Yeah, it's next Friday. Next, All the way through next Friday. Uh, so we hope that you will uh, join the contest and win some free yeah. shit. She's right as fuck. It's the 31st. It's next Friday. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Um, awesome. Look at us just... Just going real fast through beer time and official pod business. Um, I want to win some stuff, but I, I already follow us in all these places and have reviewed. Don't tell anyone. Um, Keeks, we have shit to send you that I we still need to send you. Don't do that. Wrap it off the ropes and there's things reserved. Um, should we talk about the book? Yeah, let's do it. Yo, this book was fucking lit. Yeah, and Alphabet Squadron comes out in like three weeks, I think. And the Delray Star Wars Twitter account is like tweeting out some of the different pilots. And I can already tell that our souls are going to be crushed by his next book, as well as this one. So that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Is is um, Alphabet Squadron also an Alexander Freed book? It is, okay. yes. I skipped over that part in the tweets. Cool. I've been trying to avoid Twitter because it's been a horrible hellscape. Um... I mean, not I wrong. I did see something that there were pilots that would probably, I'm sure, die. So I'm just going to chat about that. Nobody's ever died in Star Wars. No, it's a star piece. Star um, piece, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah it's great. Re retweet if you cried at this book. Our yeah, this page. one, it was rough. This, this book starts rough and ends rough. It's real sad. It's like 
It's so and it's so crazy that it came out before Rogue One because I'm like, God, this shit is it's just like dark all the way through and I'm so invested in all the characters. And I'm like, the last thing that was Star Wars that came out like that was Rogue One for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny because when I read it, like it was and I think I said this earlier in an earlier episode on the pod, but like this was like, oh, wow, this is how like Star Wars can kind of like expand its tone a little bit. And then Rogue One came out and it's like, oh, yeah. So this is what it's like when everybody dies in Star Wars. This feels new. Everybody dies. It is Except a lot. For, like, a couple people. They didn't Game of Thrones it. They didn't kill all the main characters, which was somewhat kind. <laughs> Yeah, except Game of Thrones didn't kill all its main characters. Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a. That's a dated back. reference to back when the plot was written by somebody who can write. Correct. <laughs> I I have seen like none of the new stuff. I was just thinking about season one of Game of Thrones. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this is not Game of Thrones pod. Thank God. Um. Yo, that so there would be a lot more yelling on that pod. I, all I'm saying. I I will say, and not that this doesn't relate also to Game of Thrones pod. But um, <laughs> a podcast that does not exist. <laughs> so I think uh, because like this is the first time that I'm reading this book. Obviously, I've seen Rogue One so many times to count. Um, but I think going into this, like anything less than kind of the massacre that we see in Rogue One, where literally everybody dies, is it just seems like oh, we still have some people alive. This is cool. And, you know, we obviously lost a lot of folks in this book, and none of it was easy to read. Um, but it, I still think that, like, because of the perspective I came in with, um, it was slightly easier to, to handle because, like, obviously since this book was published, we have seen that kind of uh, devastation elsewhere in the... Um, kind of media broader media yes. yes she's making a circle with her hands friend face um mm-hmm. the circle of life got it oh the circle of, yes the circle of death um <laughs> <laughs> that really kind of wrapped everything i wanted to say about that for the wrap up um, yeah i mean i guess i guess just to add on to what miranda was saying i think the nice thing about rogue one and also this book and and honestly rogue one is that like I just kind of think back to, you know, how, you know, the rumors and interviews that some people who worked on the movie have given that the first cut of Rogue One had Jin and Cassian getting off Scarif. And then basically, like, you know, people like saw the movie and were and like, were like, no, like, don't don't hold back. And that's when they went back and killed everybody. And it's like, and again, not to rag on Game of Thrones, because this is not Throne Wars pod, Book Thrones pod. <laughs> Book Thrones pod. We're going to go Book Thrones, Thrones pod. Thrones Wars pod is better. Um, Book Thrones pod is better. No, it's terrible. That's also, the point. Right. That's the point. We're going. Sorry. <laughs> That's the joke. Dot JPEG, Kristen. Fuck off. Um, but no, like it's, it kind of comes back to, oh, I feel like a lot of the frustrations with Game of Thrones in the last season is that like, there's a lot of like, at least a lot of my frustrations with it is that in the beginning and in the books, like you have characters dying because, and it's shocking, but not because they're in situations where it's weird that they would die, but just that it's weird that they don't have plot armor. And that was like, kind of like 
the series calling card is that nobody's safe just because they're a main character. Nobody has this plot armor. If they're in a situation where one would generally die, they're probably going to die. And like, I feel like that's what Rogue One had and it's allegedly had in its first cut. And then, you, you know, we get to the new cut where there isn't plot armor and it makes sense that they would all die. So they all die. And it like kind of brings this realism to Star Wars that we've, you know, I mean, realism handful of salt it's star wars but like this realism to star wars and like oh like this isn't the original trilogy they're not all going to live happily ever after like they're not they're not all going to make it to endor to you know feast on the flesh of stormtroopers like <laughs> i like that i like that take chris that's really yeah. being roasted on the spits is a celebration yeah i think i missed that part I mean, I'm just saying the Ewoks are drumming on stormtroopers' helmets. Where'd those stormtroopers go? So true. Um, speaking of people who are still alive, uh, let's talk about Chalice. Chalice? Chalice. I, I say Chalice. Christine, you're the one who listened to the book. It's Chalice, but it's fine. Oh, is it Chalice? Damn it. Yeah. I, I got every name wrong in this well, book. I think we actually get like every name wrong in every book, so it's fine. I, <laughs> fair fair counterpoint. Uh, it's, it's fine. Um, so, fuck. She, uh, she speeder biked her way. She yeeter biked her way down the mountain. And then got a shuttle and then went and fucked up the um the big empire ship that the star destroyer what is it called the star destroyer oh the herald the herald sure harold harold the harold it was the harold uh so that was fucking lit the herald's purple um, crayon yeah sorry i'm done so you wrote you wrote some good shit on this outline do you care to go into it i would love to go into it thank you Kristen. um <laughs> It's, I just, like, Chalice is such a fascinating figure, the whole book, but particularly in this last part, because, you know, in the first few sections, you know, obviously in the first, the beginning when they meet her and then, like, up till Hoth, she's kind of, like, in her element of, like, you know, she's got Hal on her side, she's convincing everybody that she's smart, yada, 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 and then she, like, kind of has this moment of reckoning where she realizes that Darth Vader doesn't give a shit about her and then like is kind of on this mission to prove that she's worth being a high value target almost like prove to people that you know they underestimated her and then in this fourth part you see her you know then taking it too far and so I just wanted to like talk about what is it like that's really driving her and like kind of how that plays into her relationship with the rebellion and with Nimir specifically. Yeah. She lost her fucking goddamn mind. Yeah. She so, went not so. Um, and like right before the aerial assault started, she was like trying to get everybody to retreat. And I'm like, there is no ship. I don't understand what her <laughs> plan was. She's like, yeah, we're getting out of here. I'm like, what? On, like, uh, mm, I think you forgot something. Mm -hmm. like, thank God Namir got back from being rubble on the street. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she like kind of lost her fucking mind. Yeah, I I do think that like 
throughout this book, she's deeply relatable for me personally because she's like, fuck you, I can do this, I know what I'm doing. Even when she clearly has no idea what the hell she's doing. Um, but I think a lot of what we see in this section where she's like, no, I have a plan. It's the same thing that we've been uh, kind of seeing from her this whole time. Like, nobody believed, or at least Namir didn't believe, because that's really the only perspective we got. Because, like, how can she possibly fucking know that this planet is going to have these resources and this is how we're going to destroy it? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm right. Please, like, just listen to me. And she really carries that, like, through, especially once she just kind of no longer has it all together. Um, but I appreciate the consistency of her character. Like, she's maybe not necessarily, or I guess maybe it's not necessarily warranted, but she always has her vision. And, like, once she comes up with that, um, that plan to get that planet that uh, is written on the, uh, Kuat? Um, once she decides that, like, the Kuat plan is the Kuat plan, she's like, we're sticking with the Kuat plan. Yes, we're still sticking with the Kuat plan, even though everyone died. <laughs> like, before, even before this started, and they were, like, super fussy. So. Yeah, and it's, like, it's interesting because, to me, that, that, that point of view is really interesting to me, Burb, because... I I thought that she did have a plan. Uh, you and so I I'm hearing from you that you interpreted it that she like was kind of lying to herself and didn't actually have a plan. On um, I think she had a plan. I just I think like Kristen said maybe it wasn't necessarily like the most feasible thing. Oh, I see what you mean. A lot of plan B's in place. <laughs> she was like if everyone dies we're still going to Kuat. Yeah, she like she very much believed in herself and believed in her plan, um, and she knew that it would work, even though she didn't really get to see that plan put into action. Mm-hmm. I uh, got it, got it, got it. I see. Yeah, it's it is interesting because she, you know, you look at the rebellion and you kind of assume that the rebellion is formulated of people who want to win for various reasons, like you know whether. It is to free the galaxy or to, you know, you know, destroy the empire or whatever your motivation is. It generally has something to do with winning. Whereas she really only seems to want to win if it's her plan. Like, it is extremely personal for her in the sense that, like, if she doesn't get to go with her plan, she would rather take the ball and go home. Yeah, so forgive me if I'm projecting, but I think she just wants to be right. Yeah, I she really does want to be right, doesn't she? Yeah, and I think at some point, you know, on Solist, it kind of morphs from she wants to be right to like, you know, her like kind of pathological need gets too aggressive and becomes I am right and anybody who disagrees with me is wrong in such a way that I will murder them. And that's when she just meets herself off to start destroyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does. She does kind of have a purpose there, and she's like doing something for the rebels and for Twilight Company. But she still just kind of bounces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping the 
the gun with us, but we know when she when she gets caught in the um, tractor beam because she purposefully uses those same um, whatever they're called transmission co clear coats. Um, she tr she purposely uses those. Same, I think those are the only clear coats she has. Tbh, but um, she does it for like the third time, and then they tractor beam her in, and then she gets out of her ship and like kind of the first negotiations quote quote that she has are like hey i know more about the rebel uh pathways and supply lines and blah 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 than anybody else i can be of use to you first of all i don't know that that's true because she's obviously not working with like grand command or whatever the fuck high command high command yeah sure whatever um but also, like, she obviously does something. Do do we think that anything changes if they're like, yes, cool, we'll take that? I... Ooh, what a good question. I don't... Because I don't think there was ever a chance of... I think, I think that was something that was offered because it was, it was just never a possibility that they were ever going to take it. I agree, but I'm like, what if they did, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was reading it, I was thinking about this, and I, obviously, we, we really don't see her being, like, a particularly dedicated person to any cause, and so... Except herself. <laughs> except herself, and I was like, oh, well, if she applies to them, that could be fun. They would super kill her, but sometimes they'd be like that, um... So I would definitely be interested in, and again, I don't necessarily think that I even believe that she would, you know, try to do something good for the Rebels, but it would be a very interesting um, thing to kind of see. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kristen. I don't know, I was just going to say, one of what I wrote on the outline quote is, I think even if they said yes, she would have kaboomed them anyway, <laughs> I'm very good with words. Um yeah, I think she'd just been like, oh, yeah, I'm useful to you now, motherfuckers? Fuck you. And then she would have kaboomed them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I do think this is, an, you know, one in a row I've come up with an interesting theoretical. It's actually not usually my bag. So I was like, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's almost nothing, particularly because it was Verge, and she knew that Verge was, like, not smart, only, like, aggressive and like so i think i think there was very little that they could have said to convince her that they were sincere but also like i feel like maybe she's too self-important by this point because like even if verge and cytaron which we we discovered i don't remember if it was on air or off but we discovered that that's how it's pronounced um you know even if they somehow convince her that they too are being sincere I feel like at this point she knows that the empire is just like far too big a bureaucracy for her to actually get the respect that she wants at this point. And so I wonder if she would have just still fucked them over. And then like, you know, like we see the last chapter or her last chapter, at least being her like, you know, kind of plotting, okay, what am I going to do with this information? Like, how am I going to get rich off it? Maybe I was like in a K hole. What other chat? How many other chapters did she have? What do you mean? Like, I was like, is this the first? I thought that were just her. Yeah. 
Oh, it might have been that one. It might have just it been that, just one. that one, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because I read that and I was like, well, like, that was actually one of, and we can talk about this more in the wrap-up, obviously, but that was, like, one of the things I was like, I actually wish we wouldn't have gotten anything from her because I feel like her last transmission to Twilight plus her last actions, like, told us everything we needed to know about her. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I get that. I Because I like her so much as a character, I'm, like, very happy that we did get to kind of see something from her, from her perspective. Um, and I will say, like, back to the point about uh, what she would have done, like, if she would have kaboomed the Herald, uh, to go back to our earlier discussion about, you know, how... Uh, she kind of sees herself, and Chris, I think you put it really well, saying that her, um, paraphrasing, so I have definitely already forgotten, but she, like, has a very inflated ego. Um, she believes in herself a lot, even when she maybe shouldn't, but I think she, you know, regardless of what they've said, still might have convinced them, just as a fuck you to the Empire, like... Look at what I've done. And also a fuck you to twi- to to uh what's his fuck? What's his name? Namir. Namir, thank you. Sorry, I just read me and noobs and I was like that too many ends. Too many ends in my brain. Um as a fuck you to Namir, like, hey, just because you don't know that I did this doesn't mean like I'm a bad person. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like she she knows what she's done, she's not she knows what she's capable of. And I think she's pissed off enough at everybody else who like doesn't see that or doesn't acknowledge it, um, that she would have been like, you know what, I orchestrated all of this. I'm the reason that you're losing Solist in, like, the long game, so fuck you. I'm gonna make you lose this battle, make you lose this star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just... She's... Oh, just... No, you're fine. It's just that it's such a... I love her character because, like, you know, particularly in the original trilogy era, you kind of have, you know, you've got your good guys and you've got your bad guys and you've got your morally gray people. Like, you know, Han starts as one, your bounty hunters, your your hashtag scum and villainy. And, like, I just love her because she doesn't neatly fit into any of those boxes. And so, like, she's just such a rich character and adds to, like, yeah, like, there are good people in the galaxy. There are bad people in the galaxy. There are people who are just out for themselves. There are people who are self-important enough who, like, are not only just out for themselves, but in the sense that they want to get involved in the war and specifically win it their way just because they want to, like, show how important they are. And I think she also kind of, even from that pack, separates herself a bit because of how deep her knowledge of the Empire's like logistical footprint is because mm-hmm. she yeah. designed all of it. Her statue is literally in the administrator's office on Sullis. Like that's all her. Cool. Yeah, that the the fucking like bust was weird. Yeah, lots of bust talk. Um, 
<laughs> I really hope I really hope nobody ever makes a bust of me. That I don't that sounds uncomfortable. Why would I keep that in my office? I mean I wouldn't keep it in my office. Would would you like me to make a bust of you next time I see you and then Absolutely for, uh, bonus, not bonus contact for the pod? I can make a paper mache and then we can smash it. Oh, I was gonna say I'll make you one, but I'll be out of marshmallows and toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> Can this be a can can paper mache busts be a new um, Patreon subscriber benefit? Paper mache, but but instead of busts of them, it's just all paper mache busts of Chris that we just draw in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> once more realistic. Once more of an artistic view. <laughs> more abstract. Oh God bless. Um, how did does that? I think I wrapped this up on Payless. Does Nana go fucking do art? And Wait, how do you there? say, how is, how does one say her first name? Oh, uh, what's her first name? Every is how oh, I yeah. said it. Yeah, I think that's right. Every Chalice. I didn't really pay attention. If it wasn't said a thousand times, I didn't sink in. <laughs> I'm, I'm Harsh but fair. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Um, so should we shift from talking about Chalice to talking about, um, a world that is in crisis? Um, I mean, we can, but you also totally skipped over the first bullet point in the outline. Yeah, quick sidebar, I'm very invested in Mimir and Alfie's relationship. Oh my god, I can't read, I'm so sorry. The first <laughs> bullet point on this outline is Mimir and Hal's relationship. Let's talk about those great boys. <laughs> yeah, we, like, talked a little bit about it a few episodes ago when Hal first died but like it was just fascinating because you know obviously this part we get this flashback from Namir about you know when he's first joined Twilight and is fighting with them and like doesn't really get it but is like starting to get it and then like Hal comes and meets him and he just thinks Hal is like absolutely nuts oh yeah and uh I I've kind of forgotten about this but there was um, some kind of dialogue or something at some point in the book. Do not remember. <laughs> um, but they were like, yeah, like Hal was a professor, the lieutenant was a professor or something. But so uh, in this flashback, when we see Namir meet Hal for the first time, Hal is just walking around like, I have this one song in an opera stuck in my head, <laughs> and I only remember half of the words. And I, I really need you to help this. This is relatable content, by the way. For some of us who shall remain nameless. <laughs> I think it's, I feel like it's relatable content for all fucking three of us because we're all musical people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and of course, Namir's never heard music in his fucking life. He's like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Like, he's heard, you know, he's heard him like over the intercom on Thunder Strike. He's heard other people talk about him, but he's never met Hal. He's like 12 years old. Um, he's been in Twilight Company for two months. He's like, I don't know what to expect. And then he meets him, and Hal's like, Have you heard of. He's just giggling. <laughs> no, I. When I made several mental jumps, and it ended up on. <laughs> Have you heard of Dark Plagueis? Yes. Uh, can you make your actual point now? Yes, we are we are here for Dark Plagueis. However, no. So Hal's expecting somebody who like, or sorry, Namir is expecting like to meet this guy that everybody really fights for but would never say it. 
And when he finally meets him, Hal's like, do you like music? Oh. Yeah. Do you know this song? Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. Yeah. Oh my God. Because it's like a very specific opera. And he's like, I, I can't picture it. And, um, you know, Namir was a, just fighting for warlords. And he's like, who the hell is this guy who everybody is just following? Like, it, I think Hal was just so contrary to what he uh, was familiar with as, like, a commanding officer in his vast experience fighting on Crucible um, that I think to, to kind of get the, the background on how they first met and to see where they ended up, um, what, three years later was, like, super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I loved that scene where Hal was, like, uh, I, can, I'm, I can't remember this specific line in this specific opera. <laughs> Namir clarifying. I'm sorry, in what? <laughs> Says the opera again. No, no, no. The word opera. What is that? <laughs> Can you explain to me what an opera is? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start there. Um, no, I, I think you're totally right, Kristen. Like, it's... I do think it's just, just that... Because, like, obvi- the first... And we talked about this. The first introduction that we as the reader get to Hal is through Namir's eyes and Namir is like this dude is crazy and like to the point of like being a shitty commander because he gets people killed I don't remember why they call him Hal can we backtrack because he's howling mad oh yeah okay because he's quite quiet yep um sorry no you're good and so like everybody thinks he's a little crazy clearly but like you know, we go from, like, this view of, like, oh, this shitty commander who's just getting people killed to, like, oh, no, A, you're, like, clearly strategically really sound, and B, like, a gifted leader to keep the company together after, you know, so many losses and, like, getting put into, like, meat grinder after meat grinder. Mm-hmm. And so and it's just, like, it is... Sometimes how it be, it's my, like, me, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, but the thing that I think kind of comes through... And that and like all of the other Hal talk that we get in this book is that he's the kind of guy who's like charismatic enough. And I think there there was one particular line and I don't remember it word for word, but like he knows what to do to make his soldiers like fight for him or like fight well. Like he knows how to motivate them, which is um, a very underrated aspect in a leader. And, like, he may not be somebody who has a whole lot of military background. Um, he might be howling mad. But at the end of the day, he's effective and Twilight Company still lives on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it is interesting because, you know, we see where their relationship ends up. And, you know, we see Gadrin or Gadrin. I don't know. Did we ever decide how that one said? I think it's Gadrin. I think it's Gadrin. Gadrin, okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we, you know, we see Gadrin, like, after Hal dies, you know, being like, he respected you and he respected your opinion. Like, so, like, we want your opinion on Chalice's plan. And, like, I feel like that is, like, kind of shocking for Namir because Namir's never fought for somebody who has respect for other beings in a way. Because, like, he's only fought for cults and warlords. And, like, it's, I feel like that is part of why he is not ideologically with the rebellion and like so it's just interesting to see that 
ability for somebody to trust in him and what power that has over him and the actions that he takes as you know we kind of see on salt when they got to solace fighting for cults who says no Every, everyone everyone should say no i just think that that's a great point and i want to acknowledge that so chris congrats one in a row <laughs> <laughs> thank you oh, thank you miranda i appreciate so it you, <laughs> no she wouldn't she'd be mad at me oh proud of miranda yes yeah chris when is she ever proud of you that's why i was saying <laughs> chris had tacos right before we recorded he's in a little bit of a food coma so basically yeah i'm a little bit of an a little bit of a taco coma and i just a taco coma if you will so me and chris are on about the same i'm like six pegs below where i usually am and chris is Kate can't even hear what's going on. And she's just standing here shaking her head at me. <laughs> How did she go just saying? Don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay, sorry. So that's obviously why I skipped the first point, even though I love uh, both Hal and Namir with my whole heart. Um, should we talk about the Planet Boys now? Let's talk about the Planet Boys, otherwise known <laughs> as Solistins. Chris, you wrote the down some good points. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just letting Planet Boys sit there for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, Solist is like so interesting because like pretty much the only. You know, going into this book, we don't know a ton about Solist. We know that's where the Imperial or the Rebel fleet gathered before Return of the Jedi. We know that, and we saw Solist in Battlefront Two, the video game, uh, in the Lando and Shriv level, uh, the like volcanic weapons factory level. <gasps> boy, 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 I didn't realize so that. we know it's not super fun as Wait, a place. That was that. That was that. that sure was. was so it. <laughs> it was great but yeah so we know it's not a super fun place and kind of mustafar like um wait as a, as a quick aside um the city whose name i don't know how to pronounce and will not try in this podcast does sound like beautiful though like it the whole planet seems like a hellscape but i know i really want to see pinyam that's that's how i was saying it in my head pinyam. but i want to see pinyam like on screen somewhere because it looked amazing yes like even namir had to step back and be like holy shit this is beautiful yeah although namir is like sees a hamburger and he's like holy shit this is beautiful <laughs> like don't we all listen i mean you're not dragging for that namir, namir has never experienced the impossible burger that's for damn sure <laughs> back to the planet boys uh so like you know we know we see Neonum in Return of the Jedi, so that's that's really how we know Celestins at this point. And so, you know, you kind of assume, like, oh, there's a Celestin who, like, is so respected. They get to co-pilot co the Falcon. They must be, like, a planet that's interested, that is, like, allied with the Rebellion. And you would be wrong. <laughs> it is basically at the point where, like, they Twilight helps them liberate Pinyum. It is basically... Nia Num and two other people against the entire city. 
Yeah, that is so like he also I just love how he's like I'm not cuz like don't we see him speaking basic a little bit when he's like being a bomb boy? What do you when, I... when he blows up the stormtrooper squad? Thank you, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> Planet I just boys. Love, I just being love bomb how boys. He, everybody's like why don't you speak skeleton? Like we are not translating this for you, you fuck. You fucking white people. Yep. No, it's great. And like and I also love because like Nian um like the Salston language is actually I don't remember what language it is, but it's Kenyan. There you go, it's Kenyan because the actor who played Nian Num, they were like, We need an alien language for this dude to speak and so he's like, Alright, I'ma just speak my like mother tongue now. Oh, cool. <laughs> um yeah, so it's like an it's like a fun callback to that, like the like making fun of Numir because it's like, why don't you speak the fucking language, bitch? Um, but it, it, Celest is just so interesting, <laughs> um, just because you know you see the people who aren't interested, but you also see the Empire like really kind of hurt itself because I feel like the whole thing with the rebellion and it being hard to liberate cities is that you know that generally comes with loss of life and if you're a rebellion who is like trying to fight for the hearts and minds of people loss of life makes that really difficult because you're killing someone's family no matter what you do and the empire is just like so resource focused and cares so little about the population that they like don't even care that about the welfare of the population but they like won't fire on the factory at Inyasu Tor. And like, so the rebels are able to like take a very valuable hostage that the empire is not willing to kill without actually taking human or living hostages. And so it's just, I just like found that really interesting that like all of this shit I mean, comes I really, back to like bite the empire. Yeah. It really speaks to the empire. Like the empire is out for number one, number one's the empire. They're trying to um, preserve the resources and, Clearly, they don't care about anybody or anything, so. Yeah. And then there's there's one more there's one more note here. I wrote fuck fire lava. Yep, you sure did. Because <laughs> that was a whole that was a whole point of the plot. It, that it was. was. Whole, that was Namir's whole like uh, off the fucking wall. I'm very concussed. I'm crawling up the mountain. This is my, this is my fucking weird plan, fire lava. It was super lit though. Yo, <laughs> that's a fun. Yeah, that was but... that was. I mean, that's that was fucking inspired. Like, oh, are they outnumbering us ten to one? Let's light half of them on fire. Why do I feel like there's something else, and and I could be making this up, um, but there's something else similar. In like I life, like I'm gonna need more. Um. <laughs> also, if you guys hear any background noise that I'm not able to edit out, it's because um, official puppy of the pod uh, is in our house, which we knew was going to happen. His mom's puppy. By, so uh, I think they did just go outside, but <laughs> official puppy of the pod. Been, Wait, you're uh, just you're just puppy sitting, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, his mom's here, but uh, his other mom oh, okay. is is away for work, and she was in the neighborhood, so she's like someone come sit in your yard because it's big. Okay, got it. I was gonna say, did you, you get sure a puppy can. and not tell me? Because that's 
fucking rude? No. Oh my god. Chris, do you really think that um, I would have gotten a dog and they wouldn't have gone on Mars? That's why <laughs> That's why I was confused. No. No, no, no confusion. No, he's the official puppy nephew of the pod. His name is Roger. Okay, he's, excellent. He's turning one next week. Oh, oh baby. Think... Happy birthday. He's turning one the day we record. Yeah, we can we can yeah. <laughs> special shout out to official puppy nephew of the pod on his birthday. Anyway, this was a great sidetrack as always. <laughs> it was. Um. Anyway, so kind of back to Sullust. One. <laughs> We're gonna get through this goddamn point on the outline if it kills us. <laughs> um. One thing that I found really interesting was you know the moment where. Namir decides that the Kuat plan is a mistake and that they need to commit to freeing Pinyum. Mm-hmm. And because to me, it's like, it's an interesting kind of difference in philosophy because on the one hand, there's like a really legitimate chance that the Kuat plan could have worked. Like Chalice was never wrong so far. Like, you know, they did the same strategy a couple too many times and so verge and cideron were able to find them but like that doesn't mean they were wrong and they weren't able to find the plan and like if they had been able to knock out kuat like maybe they would have like been able to make a significant dent in the war who knows but also like namir said something along the lines of like when we're fighting the same way they are we're already losing and just like it's a good acknowledgement of like you know, Twilight fights like a military company. Like, they feel, you know, more like military than anything we've had in Star Wars so far, except, again, maybe Rogue One. But, like, they kind of have this moment of realization where they're like, no, we're not just a straight military company. We're a rebellion. And so we need to fight more like, you know, kind of like guerrilla rebellion style, but also, like, more... We need we need this ideological aspect because that is like what gives us strength against these numbers. Right, and I I think I might have uh, interpreted that a little differently because personally, I mean, on the execution side, should they have gone to as many planets or at least enough for Virgin, whatever Mount Tabor's name is, <laughs> <laughs> to like realize it. Uh, I, I think that if they had gone to Kuat, they, like, I think they could have pulled it off. Um, I, I do think it would have had the intended consequences for the Empire. I think that um, it, it really would have done some damage to, um, I don't want to say logistical network again, but... Logistical the, network? Their, like, their whole supply chain, it would have had a, a big impact. Um, and I... Maybe not correctly. I I still am kind of in the middle on how I feel about this, but seeing Namir make the choice to stay and defend Solus and have that be their purpose and their mission was probably the most important part of this book for me because I think that, um, you know, we obviously saw the whole time he's never really felt dedicated to the rebel cause. He kind of ended up in the Alliance. He's always kind of floated from, um, you know, this cult to this warlord's group. And 
he was fighting for the Empire because that's who kept him alive. And then he's here and he's like, why is everybody so idealistic? Why are we doing this? I don't care why we're doing this. I'm just here to fight. But then you see him say, no. And, you know, he, he masks it. He's like, this is what Howl would want. This is kind of how Howl led. But if we stay here, like, we can do just as much good defending Sullis, keeping Sullis running as we can by, um, you know, throwing a wrench into the gears of the Empire's war machine. Yeah, totally. And I feel like that... Is this Kuat, or am I stupid? Uh, no, we, we know Kuat from... Did I ask this um, already? I think you did. Great. To be To be just dead honest with you. Also, Chris, <laughs> I think I figured out why your audio is so shitty, and I think it's because, um... Our mic is not what Cast is recording. Good times. Ah, uh, so I was right. Well, that's yeah. unfortunate. Sorry, that's shitty, and I will try to record a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast about it. Yeah, it's alright. It's 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 very it's it's listenable. It's not bad. <sighs> listenable. High praise for Admiral Gorse Pod. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's just the quality. That's just the the audio. I never said anything about the content. Um but yeah, it's kind of it's it's an interesting Oh, sorry, Kristen, to your question. Yes, we have seen Kuat before. Um we saw it in the Aftermath trilogy. The Battle of Kuat is like a Commodore Agate's kind of big victory and you know it is, you know, known in there and like you know other sources in canon that it is the empire's main shipyard oh, um but it is it is an interesting question that like if they could have pulled off the co-op plan would that have been more valuable to the cause um and i think you know it's hard to say because like on the one hand like yeah if they can't build more star destroyers that's important but they also like already have shit tons of star destroyers but like so many yeah so many you never have enough star destroyers i know wild times wild space <laughs> um <sighs> but yeah so just it is it is interesting seeing this this choice that is made and this choice to go back to more of a rebellion style a fight versus a straight up fight you know instead of all this sneaking around that han would hate rather just go out with blasters blazing yep cool well we have a shitload of stuff to talk about for the wrap-up yeah we do um, well we have some stuff you guys need to put some stuff in the outline because i'm i'm okay. scraping the bottom of the barrel of my ideas some of us just finished the book like five minutes before we started podcasting so well great you have that, a week. i mean both of us bro are you squeaking the not squeaky chair? <laughs> squeak, 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 squeak. Are you serious right now? There it goes. <laughs> it's okay. Mom's going to kill us for this episode for whatever. Mom's going to kill us so much more for this episode than she's going to kill you. So just wait. That's true. I specifically called out the audio issue. It's not my fault. I know, fault. and I was like, we didn't change anything, and now I'm looking at like our levels, and I'm like, oh, there's no way this is the mic. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got stuff for the wrap-up. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, 
I don't I don't even know. Enter uh, our fucking contest. Thing yeah, enter the contest. Counter. Enter the contest. Look on our Twitter profile, on our Instagram profile. We've posted about it in both places. So. Dad, um, should we I have just a wanna tell people oh, yes, that, uh, so as you may have noticed if you entered the contest, we are experimenting with Rafflecopter, which is a basically system that lets us collect uh, contest entries. We are only drawing from Rafflecopter, so if you have previously uh, reviewed the pod or whatever the hell, can you please go to Rafflecopter or the blog post where we like embedded our little contest entry collection thingy and like press the button that says i reviewed the pod because otherwise you don't count <laughs> oh yeah excellent point you need to you need to verify that you did the things on the list things um, and stuff things and stuff but yeah so enter our contest it's going to be open until uh end of may 31st so you have some time uh, and next episode, we're going to be finishing up Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed. Uh, and then in two weeks, we are going to be starting a new book. And we're going to be reading Most Wanted by Ray Carson, uh, which is the YA Han and Kira novel that came out before Solo. So we're really excited to read that. Uh, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWorsPod. Email us, BookWorsPod at gmail.com. And... Both to win stuff and just because it's the right thing to do, rate, review, and subscribe to us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Uh, if you have the money and are so inclined, please donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookhorsepod. As a special Patreon exclusive, uh, we are getting, we being me and Kate, are getting uh, Vader Immortal this week. It was supposed to be here already, but then Best Buy just decided to shit the bed on their pre-orders thanks best buy um we're getting vader immortal this week and we will kate will post a video of me with the headset on playing vader immortal flapping at things but only on the tashi station radio patreon slack on the book wars pod channel and then so, also probably miranda cowering when she plays it yes <laughs> yes and miranda like just sitting on the floor crying in vr um so if you want that quality content it, there's never been a better time to join the tashi station radio patreon uh our theme song is whiz bang by poddington bear our logo and artwork are by joe Peter design uh for miranda and Kristen, thank you so much for listening to the book wars pod i'm chris and we will talk to you next week Where's like right and like it's like Star and Wars. <laughs> like Star and Wars. <laughs> <laughs>